child of God, I believe my rights are not derived from the Constitution. My rights are not derived from any government. When I haven't attributed, it's either because, in fact, it's been clearly known by everyone what it is, or I honestly did not know I was quoting somebody else. I've done some dumb things, and I'll do dumb things again. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. God rest her soul, and uh, um, although she's, wait, your mom's still, your mom's still alive as your dad passed. Speak softly and carry a big stick. End of quote. The president has a big stick. By president, stop moving that, 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 that uh, you know, uh, what's, what's this thing called? You know, teleprompter. Donald Trump does pose an excellent strength to this. The... Barack and I think it's a right for people to have bad care. I'll lead an effective strategy to mobilize true international effort to pressure. Uh, Los Angeles and, uh, and, uh, um, uh, um, what am I doing here? Abraham Lincoln here is one of the most racist presidents we've had in modern history. So you go ahead and you stack spaghetti sauce at a store in, in, in a supermarket. You control the guy or the woman who runs the, run, brings out the carts on, 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 on a, fork, a forklift. The fact is that we're in a situation where, uh, um, what complicates the situation at the moment is the America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, him, uh, foot, foot excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping. He's always been a gaff machine. You have called yourself a gaff machine, okay? But tonight, this is no laughing matter. Something that all Americans should be aware of and have the courage to have this conversation. President Biden's health has declined exponentially, and not a single American citizen can deny it. It's sad and even more tragic considering his family is standing by watching him continue to stumble. There's more than enough evidence to question the president's mental health and demand answers from the administration that continues to keep him hidden. But Joe Biden's health doesn't just endanger Joe Biden. His health endangers us all. Tonight, the sign our president is unable to fulfill his duties of office, the media's cover-up of the decline, and why America deserves to know who's really running the White House. Tonight, cognitive collapse, an overdue serious conversation about President Biden's mental fitness. Hello, America. Tonight, I wanna, I wanna start with something I've never shared with anybody about the death of my grandfather. My grandfather was in his 70s and um, he was my hero. He was a big, strong man, um, twinkle in his eye always. About a year after my mother's death, my grandfather's uh, mental health began to decline pretty rapidly. Um, he, we had to take the keys away uh, from him when he accidentally put the car into forward instead of reverse and ended up in the front lobby of a Denny's. Um, he thought that was unreasonable and we caught him on the freeway uh, with the lawnmower, uh, driving the lawnmower. Um, 
we laugh about it now, but the part that we've never talked about as a family and I've never shared before is it was my grandfather's pride that he died of in the end. Um, he was a big man and uh, started to become uh, angry at a, a bunch of things. My grandmother couldn't handle him, so she put him in a nursing home. My grandfather refused to eat, and he ended up starving himself to death. So I don't look at aging as a funny thing. I'm not coming to you tonight with any proposals, and I'm not um, coming at it with any politics involved. And I hope we can do that. We have a we have a serious situation, and. I don't know what to do or what to believe. What is the 25th Amendment? Can that be invoked? I don't know. Joe Biden is now 79 years old. He's the oldest man to ever be inaugurated as president. That doesn't mean anything. Age doesn't mean anything, really. It's strength and stamina and cognitive ability. When he was sworn in, he was older than Ronald Reagan when Reagan left office and the media only talked about his decline in the end of his life. We don't know much about Joe Biden's medical status and there is plenty of reason to be skeptical because we can clearly see his decline and hear it. And because the way he is shielded from most interactions with the press, Check out things like just the weird ending to a virtual event last March, about a month after he took office. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm happy to take questions if that's what I'm supposed to do, Nance, whatever you want me to do. And then they just cut the feed. He is handled, and he often says he will get in trouble. I'm sure that they give him advice, but... He's not responding like a president would respond. Remember, every word, every movement a president makes is monitored by our enemies and interpreted. This kind of handling continues to be the powder pattern from his 2020 presidential campaign in which Biden would be isolated for days at a time, especially before a major speech or debate. Were they trying to hide something were they, did they see cognitive decline or did they just know he was a gaff machine and don't let him talk? If there's nothing to see, why just after a few weeks after Biden's inauguration a year ago, why did House Democrats sign a letter asking President Biden to give up his sole authority over the nuclear launch codes? That's not reasonable. That's never been done before. A recent survey finds 58% of Americans want Biden to be tested, take a cognitive test, and release the results. 55% say they don't expect Biden to be able to finish out his first term. By the way, we don't, we're not a democracy. Majority doesn't rule. So no matter what people say, 95% want him to take a test. It means nothing in a republic. As it should be. I just wonder what our representatives know or think. Is anyone watching the store? Last November, a Politico poll of registered voters found 48% think Biden is not mentally fit for office. 
versus 46% who think he is. A year earlier, the same poll found voters believed he was mentally fit by a 21-point margin. So staying in the basement during the campaign apparently worked, or he has declined so much. And this is what we think. So what do our enemies think? A Harvard-Harris poll last October found that Nine months into his presidency, 53% of voters had doubts about his mental fitness for office, with 58% saying he's too old. Age doesn't matter again. In December, CBS News asked the First Lady, Jill Biden, about those survey results. Here's what she said. There have been some recent polls that show that quite a few Americans have some questions about the president's current mental fitness. As somebody who spends, I can see you shaking your head. Yes. So what's your response to that? I think that's ridiculous. What, what about that is ridiculous? Let's look at some things that have happened since Biden took office, like the time he could not remember the name of his secretary of defense. And actually it's worse than that, watch. I wanna thank the, the the uh, former general, I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there. Uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary. While visiting a Mack truck facility in Pennsylvania last summer, Biden told workers that he used to drive an 18-wheeler. Fox News then asked the White House for specifics on when was he a truck driver. The White House pointed to a 1973 article in the Wilmington Evening Journal about Biden riding in an 18-wheeler on a long haul to Ohio. Riding is not exactly the same as driving, uh, of course. That's classic Joe Biden when he was clear-minded. That was classic. It was also asked, the White House had to clarify that Biden also used to drive a school bus as a summer job. Again, not the same as an 18-wheeler, but who's counting? When the White House finally let Biden out for his first press conference as president, he talked about how long ago he joined the Senate. With regard to the filibuster, I believe we should go back to a position of the filibuster that existed just when I came to the United States Senate 120 years ago. Confusing. Maybe that's just a gaffe. Later, things got more confusing. I'm going to say something outrageous. I have never been particularly poor at calculating how to get things done in the United States Senate. So the best way to get something done, if you if it holds near and dear to you that you uh, um, like to be able to. Anyway. I'm, we're going to get a lot done. And if That's we have to, not com- a typical Joe Biden gaffe. That's a mental thing. Now, Biden claimed he was offered a job by a lumber company in Idaho. That company has no record of it. Biden gaffe. He talked about visiting the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh after the 2018 massacre and speaking to the rabbi there. I don't know. That's usually a gaffe, but I mean, the the rabbi says he's never, ever been there. Here's the president of the G7 summit last summer in England being rescued by the first lady. How are your meetings going in Cornwall, Mr. President? How are your meetings going here in Cornwall? So this this is typical of move him out. Don't ask any questions. But that happens with the president. This doesn't. This is how Biden addressed Australia's prime minister during a meeting last fall. 
Thank you, Boris. And, and I want to thank uh, that fellow down under. Thank you very much, pal. Pal. They don't. Look, they tell us that facts and details are important and they are. But it's a problem when the president gets his facts wrong like this. I have known every every prime minister well since Golda Meir, including Golda Meir. And during the Six Day War, I had an opportunity to uh, she invited me to come over because I was going to be the liaison between she and the Egyptians about the Suez and so on and so forth. Okay, story's not true, can't be, it's impossible actually. Six-day war happened in 1967. Golda Meir didn't become Israel's prime minister until 1969. Biden was in law school in 1967. Biden did meet Golda Meir on a trip in Israel to 1973. That makes sense, that was after he was elected to the Senate. But he was never Golda Meir's liaison between her and the Egyptians ever made up, gaffe or cognitive dissidence. Despite a year of brain fog and made up stories, the left continues to defend Biden's fitness. Earlier this year, two professors, one psychiatrist and another psychologist, actually said, quote, based on hundreds of hours of available behavioral data, we state the following, uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. does not show evidence of serious cognitive dysfunction, including, but not limited to, Alzheimer's disease or dementia. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. However, President Biden does show, quote, intact cognitive and intellectual function and intact memory and recall abilities. Okay, good, right? Let's assume for a second that's true. There are no cognitive issues with President Biden other than making, you know, the normal gaffes and the normal effects of aging. Does it make all these mistakes and getting facts wrong okay for the President of the United States? Remember, we are looking, and this is horrible to say, but it is true. We are looking at image. Some may think the made-up stories are mostly harmless. Great, okay. But how about things like this? This is him in Poland two weeks ago. Are these okay? First, there was him calling for regime change going off script in Russia. For God's sake, this man cannot remain power. Okay, that's not our policy. It might be in his head, but there are things that you think and you don't say out loud. As President of the United States, Secretary of State Antony Blinken immediately had to clean up after Biden was saying that the U.S. doesn't have any regime change uh, in Russia or any place else. Okay. By the way, everyone's just cool with Blinken contradicting the president, apparently. So who's in charge? Later, the White House staffers had to give Biden a tough Putin Q&A cheat sheet to help him explain what he really meant to say. But on the same trip, Biden also said the U.S. would respond in kind if Russia used chemical weapons in Ukraine. Well, that turned a lot of heads. Are we gonna use chemical weapons? Because that's what in kind means. Specifics matter. 
when it when you're the president of the United States, the White House had to walk that one back as well. Biden also said this to the U.S. 82nd Airborne while he was in Poland. We've been training since back when they uh, Russia moved into uh, in, in the southeast southeast um, Ukraine, but also the average citizen. Look at how they're stepping up. Look at how they're stepping up. And you're going to see when you're there, and some of you have been there, you're going to see, you're going to see women, young people standing, standing in the middle of front of a damn tank. Okay, that made it sound like the U.S. paratroopers that he was speaking to would soon be deployed in Ukraine. Problem? Yes. Yes. It makes us sound like we're going to war with Russia. The White House immediately retracted that one as well. And then Biden said just last week when he was giving a speech to union workers at the North America Building Trades Union Conference, he said this. This war could continue for a long time, but the United States will continue to stand with Ukraine, the Ukrainian people in the fight for freedom. And I just want you to know that. And by the way, if I got to go to war, I'm going with you guys. I tell you. I mean it. Okay, what does he mean? If I got to go to war, why would he say something so irresponsible right after the White House had to clean up all of his verbal mess about war in Ukraine? Here's the thing. These may be things that you could roll your eyes to. I don't because I've talked to presidents before. They have told me personally how vital it is to watch every single word that is is said. And I'm not sure... The word salad is um, not signs of something else. Look, just yesterday he was talking about gas prices and he said, you don't want your gas prices going up because of some dictator that's committing genocide. Okay, if he's committing genocide, that's one of our triggers to go to war. What are you saying? Most importantly, what is Vladimir Putin making of all of these comments? Is Biden implying the U.S. troops are going to be going into Ukraine? Does Putin think these are Freudian slips, as in maybe he's planning our own minor incursion and Joe got caught up in the moment, let it slip? Is he thinking about those things and hasn't shared them with anybody, but he's thinking those things. And is that the direction? These are the questions that if I were Putin, I'd be asking. Any one of these gaffes, as the media likes to call them, by our president could be used as an excuse for Putin to escalate his war on Ukraine. Look, Donald Trump said crazy things about, you know, Kim Jong-un. Yeah, so we'll nuke him. Now, at first we didn't know but we knew shortly thereafter, this is the pattern. He understands these guys and he knows how to build them up and tear them down. And it worked. There doesn't seem to be strategy here with what President Biden is doing. We might be able to translate Biden's verbal screw-ups in America, understanding the concept of our own politics, understanding what Joe Biden was probably saying or having a senior moment, but our allies and foes don't necessarily have that same understanding. The presidency is not a job with a lot of leeway for senior moments. This is not some kind of honorary position 
where we just let these things slide because it's good old lunch bucket Joe and he really means well. Look, have you noticed every president except Ronald Reagan, who used to dye his hair, went in with not white hair and left with lots of white hair? That's because this is an incredibly stressful job. It ages you more than four years. Does he have the stamina? This is weird and a dangerous situation with President Biden. And we can't assume that what our commander in chief says is final, right? We have to wait for the White House translators to release their report on the president's words. How is this okay? I'm going to take a quick break, and I want to take a look at Biden's health, including a backstory that I don't think most Americans are aware of that might explain it. Okay, Um, I think you know me. I'm pretty skeptical by nature. So when I first heard about home title theft, my first thought was, "Uh uh-huh. Cyber criminal is going to steal my house. They're going to forge my name on the title of my home, take it over as a new owner. Uh-huh. Sure. Okay. Uh, then a guy from the FBI came in and showed me, showed me the document and said, I just need to file this and I own your house. And all of the things, he actually said this to me, all of the things you did to hide who owns your house, etc., it made it easier for me. Wait, What? That's the day I got home title lock, and I suggest you do it as well. It's not covered by homeowner's insurance or common ID theft services. This is something completely different. Here's what I want you to do. I want to see if your home has already been under attack and you're already a victim. Uh, Just go to HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. You can read the testimonials from FBI agents and government officials. Register your home address. It's HomeTitleLock.com. In 1988, Joe Biden had two brain aneurysms and two separate brain surgeries to save his life. The surgeon who performed the operations, Dr. Neil Castle, told Politico in 2019, quote, I can tell you with absolute certainty that he, Joe Biden, had no brain damage, either from the hemorrhage or from the operations that he had. There was no damage whatsoever, end quote. However, Biden tells another story. Um, He talks about the doctor in 1988 telling him on the way to the operating room that the aneurysm was on the side of the brain that affects speech. Here's what he said as vice president in 2013. What's the most likely thing that will happen if I uh, if I live? But what he said, well, the side of the brain that the first the first aneurysm is on controls your ability to speak. And I thought, why in the hell didn't they tell me this before the 88 campaign? Uh, It could have saved us all a lot of trouble. You know what I mean? This, to me, shows a Biden that we haven't seen in a long time. Now, this may come as a shock to you, but I am a doctor, just not a brain doctor. Uh, So I don't know whether Biden's brain aneurysm surgery in 88 on the side of the brain that affects the speech had any long-term effect on him. I don't know. I'll take it from his brain surgeon. He said no damage whatsoever. Other doctors are not so sure, but do they really know? Biden has been treated in recent years for a rapid heartbeat condition, which can cause dizziness and confusion. 
Two doctors told the Daily Mail uh, last year that brain aneurysms and heart conditions like Biden's are linked to problems with memory, confusion and dementia. Back in 2019, when Biden released his medical report, Dr. David Schneiner, uh, who used to be the president, um, the president's doctor, President Obama's doctor, said, quote, he, Joe Biden, is not a healthy guy. He has a lot of issues that are just sort of sitting there. Dr. Schneiner said also at the time that he would like to see the results of an MRI or CT scan for Biden because of Biden's potential for strokes. Now that Joe Biden is in the Oval Office, no one on the left will even question any of this. Even as his mistakes flow and he has had, uh, you know, a a 42 percent approval rating, Democrats just stick their heads in the sand when it comes to Biden, including the White House staff, apparently. White House officials admitted last fall they mute or turn off the TV when Biden is speaking with reporters so they don't have to watch the train wreck of him stumbling over his own words, veering off message like this last week. Painful to watch. America is a nation that can be defined in a single word. I was in the foot, 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 excuse me, the foothills of the Himalayas with Xi Jinping, traveling with him. I guess we traveled 17,000 miles when I was vice president. I don't know that for a fact. Is, when he says, I don't know that for a fact, I'm going out on a limb and saying it's probably not a fact. But was that him just verbalizing what he was thinking? I don't know. Almost a year ago, a group of retired U.S. generals signed a letter raising concerns about many problems facing the nation, including President Biden's mental and physical condition. Remember when a group of U.S. intelligence officials signed a joint letter blaming the Hunter Biden laptop fiasco on Russian disinformation? Their letter was treated as gospel by all of the Democrats and big media, and especially by Joe Biden. But this letter from former generals was dismissed by the media as bizarre, shameful and untrue. I don't know the answer, but not only not even a year into Biden's presidency, the New York Times and Washington Post allude to Democrats being not sure that Biden will run for reelection in 2024. But that's as far as they'll go into referencing his age. Joe Biden is now 79. It's not a problem. I know people that are in their 90s and are perfectly clear. We're in unprecedented territory in having a president at that age. It's amazing that the media is so uninterested in this fact and what it means for the day-to-day functioning of the White House. Mainstream media do not take Joe Biden's condition seriously. His mess-ups are just laughed off as Joe's being Joe and his gaffes. But that's not what they did to President Reagan. The media hounded Reagan about his age, especially when he ran for re-election in 1984. The media treated John McCain exactly the same way in 2008. He was only 72 when he ran. Biden was 77. And, of course, the media obsessed with Trump's mental, physical, and every other possible type of fitness. In 2020, the media freaked out over when the then-president just walk slowly down a ramp after giving a speech. Here was the New York Times headline. Trump's halting walk down ramp raises new health questions. Now compare that to the Times headline after President Biden fell on Air Force One on the stairs last year. 
Biden is doing 100% fine after tripping while boarding Air Force One. The left was so worried about Trump's mental fitness that shortly into his first year in office, Democrat uh, Congressman Jamie Raskin introduced a bill to create a commission that would be charged with evaluating a president's physical and mental fitness when ordered by a congressional resolution. This is extraordinarily dangerous, and I wouldn't hear of it now. But the hypocrisy is what really bothers me. Maybe the reason Democrats and their media don't care about President Biden's mental fitness is because the behind-the-scenes control is all they need. In fact, I think they prefer it. The left loves unelected power. Everyone in D.C. knows who's really running the show at the White House. It's Chief of Staff Ron Klain. Republicans in D.C. call him Prime Minister Klain. Listen to this New York Times description of Ron Klain's power. Quote, Mr. Klain is an unquestioned man to see in the Curtin White House, the most influential chief of staff of recent vintage. He is viewed in and out of the West Wing as an essential conductor of the administrative's business, a surrogate for the president. Wow, a surrogate for the president. I don't remember seeing his name on the ballot, do you? Again, quoting from the Times story. Mr. Klain is an expert at keeping discussions with Mr. Biden focused on specific actions, which is not always easy. Quoting, given the president's habit of verbal meanderings, a typical exchange, White House officials say, is for Mr. Klain to suggest something along the lines of, sir, we're recommending that you make these three calls. The White House now sounds like the world's fanciest nursing home, and the left is totally fine with his arrangement. But it has happened before. What do you do about it? Next. You know, America has been in this place before. Just in the 20th century, in the last 100 years, it's happened four times highly documented four times. America didn't know about it. Five, if you can't count Reagan. All right, so let's go through them. 1944, Franklin Roosevelt trying to get elected to a fourth term at the White House. He had serious health problems. In January of the election year, his personal physician, Dr. Ross McIntyre, told reporters he's, he's the healthiest he's been since he first took office in 1933. Yeah, but that's not true. FDR was diagnosed March 1944 with severe hypertension, congestive heart failure, a grossly enlarged heart, and bubbling in his lungs. The doctor who examined the president said FDR probably would not live another year without major treatment. That report was silenced. Roosevelt continued to campaign. He won re-election and died five months later of a cerebral hemorrhage. FDR's true condition was completely hidden from the public. A decade later, in the middle of Dwight Eisenhower's first term as president, he had a heart attack. This time, the Republicans cut it, uh, covered it up. He was hospitalized. But the White House press team initially told reporters, he's just suffering from an upset stomach. Uh-huh. He was discouraged from running for re-election, but he did, and he won anyway. He was diagnosed with Crohn's disease in 1956, which required surgery. Then the next year, he had a stroke. But the White House managed to downplay Eisenhower's problems, and he finished his second term. 
okay. After Eisenhower came the supposedly robust young president, John F. Kennedy. He was in much worse shape than Eisenhower. He struggled with constant, severe back pain. Even after several surgeries, the pain was so bad that he often couldn't reach for something just across his desk or put on his own shoes. JFK also had Addison's disease, which affects the body's ability to regulate blood sugar and sodium. It wipes you out. When he was running for president in 1960, his opponents tried to publicize that he was suffering from Addison's. But JFK's doctors released a denial, saying, that's crazy, he's in excellent health. While he was president, Kennedy took as many as 12 medications at once to fight his pain and various ailments, including codeine, Ritalin, barbiturates to help him sleep, and a thyroid hormone. During the Cuban Missile Crisis, everybody thought he was healthy. He was on an antipsychotic drug to counteract his severe mood changes, which Jackie Kennedy blamed on his allergy medicine. On the allergy medicine. Kennedy and his team carefully hid all of this from the public. And of course, I think the worst presidential health deception in U.S. history came in 1919. From this guy. I hate this guy. Woodrow Wilson. He had a stroke brought on by the stress of his cross-country speaking tour, where he was trying to talk people into his pet project, the League of Nations. Amazingly, uh, that was actually Wilson's fourth stroke. He had one in 1896 when he was a professor at Princeton. Then 1906 president of Princeton, one that left him almost blind in his left eye. In 1913, after entering the White House, he had his third stroke. Wilson's fourth stroke almost killed him. He was an invalid in the White House, completely hidden from the public and Congress, his own party, for months. His second wife, Edith, illegally acted as, what's that word again, surrogate, reviewing and approving documents for him and dealing with his cabinet. His doctor, Carrie Grayson, helped Edith run the long con. Effectively, Edith Wilson was America's first female president. No joke, as Joe Biden would say. After President Trump was hospitalized with COVID in 2020, there's plenty of media speculation that the White House downplayed how sick he really was. Maybe they did. We don't know that yet. That seems to be, though, what every administration does. But where is the scrutiny of this president's health? Why is Peter Ducey, of all people, the only journalist asking the White House tough questions? Knowing our history should cause the media to be a lot more curious about the truth, but they're not about the truth anymore. Honestly, I do not bring this to you as a partisan. I don't. It's going to take the mainstream media getting curious about Joe Biden's condition to get anything close to White House transparency on this, because right now raising any question is just seen as another political cheap shot, but it's not. And listen, hear me, people on the left. I think Kamala Harris would be much worse as a president, much worse. So there's no glee in me saying, hey, can we check on him, see if he's fine? I'm not trying to get him out so we can have Kamala. 
she'd be much worse. Got it? I'm actually concerned about our country and our president. We deserve to know whether our president is up to the job, no matter which party they are from. Now, is that even possible? I don't know. I've read the 25th Amendment. Have you? I know that Congress has tried to pass this for Donald Trump, and I was against it then, and I think I'm against it now. How do we get to the truth? Has that ever happened before in American history? And what does the Constitution say about it? I wanted to call Alan Dershowitz. Um, I wanted to get him on the show tonight because he is at least honest on these things. He defended President Trump and didn't like President Trump on this very issue. What's he going to say now and why? Alan Dershowitz and his take on the president and the 25th Amendment. Next. With the last president, the Democrats tried to use the 25th Amendment. Rolling Stone uh, looks like suggesting a plan. 25th Amendment to kick Trump out of office. Uh, New York Daily News. Nancy Pelosi says he could be removed using this. Washington Post, same thing. Foreign policy, invoke the 25th Amendment now. Vox, the 25th Amendment, quickest way. Trump could be stripped of power. 25th Amendment from Time Magazine. You don't remove a sitting president from power lightly. And uh, the Constitution should not be a bag of parlor tricks. I say this, I was against it with Trump. I, I don't know what the line is. I am cautiously bringing this up because I am concerned about the president's mental health. Alan Dershowitz joins us now. Is the 25th Amendment, that was a Johnson era amendment, right? Yeah, and the most important thing about the 25th Amendment is it's non-adversarial. It is non-partisan. It doesn't say that the minority can oust the president. It doesn't say that the Democrats can oust the Republican president or Republicans can oust the Democratic president. To invoke the 25th Amendment, either the president himself has to do it or the vice president with the majority of the cabinet. So it was designed as a way of assuring that the president is not ousted in a partisan manner. Right. And yet it's been used in a partisan manner by both sides. OK, so uh, is there is there something because I mean, I don't know and I don't want to judge the president's mental health. Um, uh, he looks like he's in serious decline. It is disturbing. Um, to me, at least. But I don't know if we're in danger or how bad it is or if it's just I don't know. Um, Look, I've known president. I've known Joe Biden since 1980. And I, I haven't seen very many changes. When I knew him in 1980, uh, he uh, was very much uh, the same. Uh, he was not quick. He was he lost words. Um, uh, I don't think it's changed very much. In any event, it doesn't even come close to coming within the 25th Amendment. Obviously, Ronald Reagan came a lot closer to coming within the 25th Amendment. But again, why do you say no that? Wait, wait, wait. Why do you say that? 
because at the very, very end of his administration, there's now some evidence that uh, Nancy Reagan was doing a lot and that he was right. declining. Now know that he did suffer from Alzheimer's uh, later on. I'm not saying he should have been removed. I don't think he should have been right. removed. So, but if he be removed, it has to be done by his people, not the other people. It has to be done by his vice president, by a majority of his cabinet, not by his opponents. Okay. That's the key to the Fifth Amendment. That is, and that's fantastic to know. Um, but l let me go back in history. Let's go to Wilson. Wilson has a stroke. Sure. He is wildly impaired. His wife, uh, I'm trying to remember, Edith, I think was her name. She was actually using his hand to sign the bills. She shut everybody out. Finally, the Democrats gain access to the White House. She wants him to run for a third term. They make a deal on, look, we'll let him finish this term, but we're exposing it if you want to run again. Um, is, there, is there any mechanism that is not adversarial, but, but is, that stops things like that? No, there isn't, unfortunately. Now, Wilson could have been removed under the 25th Amendment had a majority of his cabinet or the vice president. There have also been justices of the Supreme Court who have begun to decline. And there's no way to remove a justice of the Supreme Court except by impeachment, which requires treason, bribery, or other high crimes and misdemeanors. There is not in the Constitution a way for one party to rid the presidency or the justiceship or any of them from adversaries. It was not intended to give one party a weapon to use against the other party. It was intended to give the same party, the same party, mm -hmm. a way of saying we're all in agreement, this is too bad, this is tragic, but we have to remove them under the 25th Amendment. And therefore, because this vice president is not going to do it and the majority of this cabinet is not going to do it, it's simply not going to happen. If it got much worse, if the president, God forbid, had a stroke or really began to show symptoms of Alzheimer's, then probably the vice president or and or the majority of the cabinet would move. But uh, having the Republicans uh, say he is uh, uh, disqualified under the 25th Amendment. Remember, the 25th Amendment has a word. It says the president is unable to discharge the powers, unable. Uh, and that's a pretty, pretty strong word. Yeah. And this president is able. He holds press conferences. You may not like what he says. He signs bills. He assigns uh, uh, army and troop and, and appoints justices to the Supreme Court. He is able to conduct his business. And so he doesn't come within the 25th Amendment. And, and the, the key is that the vice president and the majority of the cabinet don't think so. And they are the gatekeepers here. So what happened last time? Is this the way you were warning about last time when, when they yes. were doing this to Trump? Yes. Uh, the, the framers of the Constitution did not want a legislative authority over the president. They didn't want a parliamentary system. And the Democrats last time around, uh, particularly people who ought to know better, like Professor Tribe, basically wanted to introduce a parliamentary system, saying that if you don't like him, uh, if you think he's abused his power or he's obstructed Congress, not committed crimes and misdemeanors, uh, you can, if you have a majority in the House, impeach him, which is exactly what they did twice. All unconstitutional, all in violation of the Constitution. Remember, I'm not a Trump supporter. I voted against Trump uh, twice. Right. I have no reason to believe I vote for him. 
a third time. I'm a liberal Democrat, but right. I believe in the Constitution first, and I believe in principle over partisanship. I agree with that uh, as well, and that's why I've always respected uh, respected you and your your opinion. Should there be any litmus test at all for the mental agility of a president? Probably there should be, and you'd need another constitutional amendment. You'd need an amendment which sets up a board um, of qualified uh, physicians, psychiatrists, mental health workers, uh, sets out criteria clearly, and allows the removal of a president over the objection of the vice president and the majority of the cabinet. That would introduce a partisan element, but if yeah, you had a neutral psychiatric or medical board making that determination, that would make sense, but you'd have to amend the Constitution to do that. Maybe that should be done, but it hasn't been done up to now. Yeah, um, and, uh, and they invoke this because of the changeover with Johnson? And they just no, added this I part? Why was it was in the works a long time. Okay. It was in the works a long time. Um, it was in the works uh, when Kennedy was shot because there was a fear. What if he had survived, but with a brain injury? Oh, okay. Um, there were all kinds of concerns and debates and discussions. There was a gaping hole in the Constitution. Uh, what if you had a president who simply went to uh, Hawaii and decided to play golf every right. day and never came to work? Uh, there'd be no grounds for teaching him. That's not a crime. Reason it's not right. bribery, uh, but you need a constitutional amendment to close the gap that was okay. left by the impeachment clause of the Constitution. And that was the best evidence, by the way, that impeachment should not be permitted uh, except for treason, bribery, high crimes and misdemeanors. We had to amend the Constitution to close the gap somewhat. And we did it, but we didn't close it all the way. There's probably room for improvement over the current situation. Professor Dershowitz, always good to see you. Thank you so much. God bless. My, thank you. I'm pretty sure nothing can be done or should be done about this other than all of us praying for our president and praying for the safety of our country and the world, perhaps like never before. I'll see you tomorrow on the radio. Don't, uh, don't miss tomorrow's episode. It's really good. From Dallas, good night.